Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you here with me. Clay on vacation. And we have much to discuss today here in the world of, well, a lot of things. But certainly banking, finance, the economy, the dollars in your bank account, the dollars in your pocket. What is going to happen? We've got the new inflation numbers. I'll break that down for you. A little bit of a calm, it seems, right now. A lot of the regional banks that got uh, smashed yesterday had a big rally. So it seems like confidence in them has been, at least for now, restored. Um, We've also got a crisis with the NYPD switching gears here to criminal justice and uh, policing. Resigning at a record-breaking pace. So that's an issue we're going to discuss later on in the program. More fallout from that Stanford dean and students who were shouting down Fifth Circuit Federal Appeals Court Judge Duncan. Uh, We'll discuss that. And we've also got more on the border. And, oh, and Trump has some words about DeSantis in a new video that we'll discuss Here on the program, Um, Trump seems to be of the mind that saying that Florida is not Ron DeSantis's success story, that that is going to be a worthwhile line of attack. We will discuss that here in in just a little bit. But you all remember Donald Rumsfeld, right? Remember, he was secretary of defense under George W. Bush, very much the first person, I think, for a lot of people who comes to mind with the the Iraq War of 2003 and and a whole range of other things from the War on Terror. And he had had a bunch of prominent roles in the White House before that. I mean, the guy had been in government for a long time in different capacities. But that very famous little moment where he was discussing known uh, known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. I am concerned right now in the financial sector 
and, it, and about things that would affect all of us when it comes to the unknown unknowns. I'm just going to put a few things out there, right? Because as I always tell you, nobody can predict the future, but we can at least look at the odds and look at what's going on. Right now, SVB Bank, all the depositors, Silicon Valley Bank, and the people that d- that were banking there, thinking that they were just putting money in a bank and not a some version of a very low yield hedge fund or a you know mutual fund or something uh they have been backstopped by this program with the government the fed the fdic you know the financial alchemy of it's not a bailout but it actually is a bailout because if it wasn't a bailout the bank would have gone under so it is a bailout but it seems like people have calmed down a bit and as i said the regional banks have uh, recovered, But there are some issues right now that are also out there. First of all, inflation. What are the newest numbers? It slows to 6% from 6.4% a month ago. So the Fed is now considering pausing its interest rate hikes because of the banking crisis. But you see, this all just takes us back to the basic problem. What did I say yesterday? This This all comes from a decision to crush the bond market, destroy anyone's ability really to get a pretty standard yield for savings accounts uh, treasury bonds you name it bonds from from companies uh, bonds in general you couldn't get any income on the money that you had saved whether you're an individual or an institution unless you took riskier pathways and the the government decided alongside this whole process that they were going to keep printing money through quantitative easing through QE so interest rates were kept artificially low you can't get money from your savings account and they keep on pushing more money into the system this has caused inflation how do you deal with the inflation well how do you bring it down you have to let interest rates normalize the problem with letting interest rates normalize they say too quickly is that there will be economic pain associated with that. We started to see a little bit of that with the bank failures that have just occurred, the run-on SVB, the um, the banks that were on the brink, it seemed, and now we're told, oh, don't worry, it'll all be fine. But the fundamental problem remains. What is the Fed going to do now? What does this mean for inflation, for the cost of everything that you need to Feed yourself, your family, pay your rent, gas up your car, buy the things you need, whether it's health care or a dozen eggs, buy the things you need day in and day out. What does it mean for you? And the answer is they don't really know. And this is where I get into the unknown unknowns and also the plans that may start to get a little bit more attention out there. Um, but first, let me put this before we get into the possible plans. Let's look at some things that are happening. So Credit Suisse has had its shares, a huge, a huge bank has had its shares, uh, fall to an all time low. It is the seventh largest investment bank in the world. And it has said it has material weakness. So that's not, that's not a good sign, right? Now, maybe that's just because of a few specific things for Credit Suisse. Okay, fine, you know, but people will point out that there have been problems there for a while. Arkegos, I believe it was called, the $5.5 billion uh, loss they took because of this Arkegos fiasco there. 
Don't have to get too deep into the weeds on it. Point being, there are issues. That's a really big bank. That's a really big problem. You've also got uh, the staff of Facebook finding out today. The tech sector has already been in a big decline. Staff of Facebook finding out that 10,000 jobs are about to get cut. 13% of all Facebook staff and Mark Zuckerberg, uh, like the AI robot he is, made real, uh, is telling everybody to get ready for a, quote, new economic reality that will continue for many years, as in they are doing efficiency. I actually read the, uh, the, the letter they put out, not a particularly warm and fuzzy one, about the efficiency cuts they'll be making at Facebook. This is happening all over the place. Big tech companies that seem like they were money printing machines, and at the time they were just a few years ago, are laying off large numbers of people. A lot of the tech stocks that were really drivers of the economy and were propping up the stock market overall, it's where most of the gains were coming from, they've gotten whacked pretty badly in the last, well, last year. It depends on which one you're looking at. But things are, are, are rough right now. If you also look at car loan defaults, another indicator, not quite housing defaults, but car loan defaults, they are right now way up. Uh, they're the highest they have been in uh, in a number of um, a number of decades, I think, at this point. So this is higher than it's been in, in quite some time, um, and that's obviously really disconcerting as well. So what are they going to do about all of this? Now, I brought up the unknown unknowns because look at how quickly SVB turned into a financial crisis that required the entire attention of the White House, the Fed, the Treasury. And what was it a month ago? Jim Cramer was on TV by SVB, you know, whatever. Sure. Uh, I think there's actually uh, there are people that they trade based upon the opposite. They they actually manage money based on the opposite of what Jim Cramer recommends on his TV show. It's pretty funny. Um, I think there's an index that someone's created where you go in the opposite direction. But here you have here you have a series of major challenges to the economy and you have also a few things that have happened in rapid succession that no one seemed to see coming and right right now it feels like oh maybe things are getting a bit better but those unknown unknowns they linger out there what would it take for us to really go off the cliff here financially um systemic weakness in a major bank somewhere well credit suisse just said they have that but maybe that's not enough maybe they'll figure that out how many of these massive financial institutions have made a similar bet to what SVB did or have taken other risky ventures onto their balance sheets that could really create enormous, enormous problems down the line? So many of the people you'll see on TV are economists and, and uh, people in the financial sector who don't actually manage money. And they've been wrong many, many times in the past, but because they have a long and, and, uh, established history of being wrong it seems they continue to go on tv and tell you what's going to happen they have no idea i will tell you they have no idea what's going on you know who looks really prescient right now would be ron paul and the people that have said the fed which was really created to avoid isn't it supposed to avoid the very situation we are in right now all this and all this inflation all this money printing and then trying to control the recession Nobody wants there to be pain, but what goes up must come down. 
I mean, there are some fundamental realities here that a government structure is not really able to manage, right? We can't actually have people who decide that we're just never going to have a down. If we could create a situation where we never have a painful economic downturn, of course we would want that, but that's not reality. That's not the way this is going to shake out. And then that brings me to something else that I, I wanted to spend a little more time on today because I know people are are concerned about it. And I think in the post-COVID world of easy authoritarianism that we fell into in this country, the notion of a central bank digital currency, a CBDC, is something we all have to take very seriously. Because here's how you may be thinking about the situation right now of the economy. You might be thinking, so the Fed is screwing things up once again. They're not a bunch of geniuses. They're... They're not, you know, the wizard behind the curtain making everything run and, and look great. They're actually creating a lot of these uh, dislocations and, and a lot of these uh, distortions in the market by Fed policy. And, and now they're telling us, well, they're going to fix it. But they're they're riding the tiger, or riding the dragon on this one. They're not really determining how this thing goes. They're just doing their best to make it less bad than it would otherwise be. Um, you would be thinking, well, we have to figure out a way to lessen the power of some of these institutions going forward, right? But you have to remember, for government, failure failure never is met with, we shouldn't do this next time. It's, we need more power and more resources. So how do you get that? You might be thinking, well, we need to look more at, uh, I mean, the whole range of things, right? And you go back, go and listen to all the old Ron Paul lectures. He's still giving lectures, but go go and listen to the things that, that he said about what the Fed, the boom-bust cycles and all the rest of it, what it does. Um, and people are talking about cryptocurrencies now and all the rest, ways of getting outside of this centralized government control. But that's if you think the answer here is less central government control. The people in charge, you know what they think the answer is? More. More government control. More uh, ability to determine exactly what you can do with the money that you have. And that brings us to a central bank digital currency, which is something that I I do want to speak to you about a little bit because it's already happening in places. There are different kinds of CBDCs out there. But major economies, you know, like China, India, they already have this. As you know, China's gotten rid of cryptocurrencies. So centralization, top-down centralization of money through a digital currency is happening elsewhere in the world. And there are arguments underway right now about how to do this in America. They've been happening for a while. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is off the front pages of the Wall Street Journal. It's just a question of how deep into this we go and what what we actually do with it. It's going to happen at some level. So I, I want to talk to you about that because right now it feels to me like the calm before the storm. I don't think we are out of the storm. I think we've just, we had a, a, a squall, but the big one is still coming. That is the sense that I have. And when you look at the options that the people in charge have at this point, uh, if they have one shock from an unknown unknown, this whole thing all of a sudden gets really, really ugly. Look, 
A lot of small business owners that survived the pandemic have been taking advantage of sizable refunds from the IRS. The money is coming from an IRS program called the Employee Retention Credit, or ERC. Your business may be eligible for a payroll tax refund of up to $26,000 per employee kept on payroll during COVID-19. To see if your business qualifies, go to GetRefunds.com. GetRefunds has already helped folks claim over $3 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC, and they may be able to help your business too. There's no upfront charge either. They don't get paid until your business gets its refund. Many businesses believe they won't qualify based off incomplete or outdated information. So don't let this opportunity pass you by, because this payroll tax refund is only available for a limited time. Go to GetRefunds.com to learn more. That's GetRefunds.com. Sanity in an insane world. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, is that that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. We have David McCormick with us now. He is the former CEO of the Hedgewater uh, of the hedge fund, rather Bridgewater, candidate for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania in the last election cycle. A combat veteran, West Point graduate, author of a new book that is out now: Superpower in Peril: A Battle Plan to Renew America. David, good to have you back on the program. Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
So we got a couple things, uh, big things to get into here. First of all, breaking news just in the last couple of minutes. A Russian jet has collided with a, a U.S. drone over the Black Sea in international airspace. I want to get into all the banking stuff. You ran Bridgewater, one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. You know the banking stuff very well. But first, tapping into your combat veteran side, you went to West Point. You have served in different government national security-related roles. How concerned are you about the trajectory right now in Ukraine? Well, I'm I'm very concerned about it in the sense that, uh, you know, Putin is an aggressor here. Uh, He uh, he has challenged the sovereignty of Ukraine. And I think we are in the right position to be supporting the Ukrainians because I think it's in U.S. interest. But we got to do that with a lot of care. And we got to make sure the things that we're sending there aren't being uh, corrupted and used in ways that's inconsistent with the, with the mission. And we got to be careful. And incidents like you describe are, are the things that are unexpected. We got to be careful that U.S. troops don't in any way get drawn in. So I'm, I'm a, among those who think uh, what's happening in Ukraine is, a, is an important U.S. interest. I think China is watching carefully. But I also understand those who are skeptical, and we have to be careful not to get drawn into something bigger. Now, on to the financial side of things. There's a lot of messes to clean up right now uh, in a bunch of different bunch of different you, areas you, of the world. <laughs> yeah, so so tell us, I mean, first of all, is... Is the the bailout, the backstopping, what, whatever it is, is this the right thing to do? How how do you see things as they are right now before we get into where the financial and sector and, and, and economic sector are going? But what do you think about what they've done up to this point? Well, I, th- I think you got to start, and I'll be very brief, but you got to look at how we got here because it answers part of your question. So we are here because of excess, excess over the last, 10 years in terms of too much fiscal spending, but extreme excess in the last two years under Joe Biden. Enormous amount of spending, 40% increase in discretionary spending. We're at an all-time high in our, uh, in our debt of $31 trillion. And that excessive spending has been matched with extremely low interest rates for uh, more than a decade. And uh, as a consequence of that, uh, we have inflation. And that inflation is uh, something we got to control. And so the Fed, ironically, in trying to help stop the problem it created, raised interest rates quickly. And now we've got a, a gap between the assets and the liabilities. And that is across the whole banking sector. It's not just across SVB. And that's the macro problem. Now, second, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, was a terribly managed bank. Terrible risk management. Uh, it, it, it's, it's appropriate that the whole leadership team got fired. But the regulators made a big mistake here. The San Francisco Federal Reserve should have known this. It's obvious what was going to happen when uh, interest rates rise, that the, the balance sheets on the banks are going to be underwater. They're going to have to sell assets. And, and because these assets were so, con- the deposits were so concentrated, it's created a real problem, not just for Silicon Valley Bank, but for others. Now, in terms of what the government has done, I, I think it's, it's appropriate. The equity holders lose their, uh, lose their money. I think it's appropriate that the credit holders lose, lose their money. I'm very concerned about the bailout of these uninsured deposits. And I'm, uncon- and I'm concerned for two reasons. First, you know, the guy who had the landscaping business that landscaped uh, Silicon Valley Bank and the company owed him $10,000, he lost that $10,000. But the rich Silicon Valley venture capitalist got 100% on their dollar. And, uh, and that's, that seems wrong. That seems uh, inappropriate. Second, we got a moral hazard 
uh, we got a moral hazard problem where there's $8 trillion of uninsured bank deposits. And so did we now just set a precedent where we're going to bail out $8 trillion of, uh, of, of uninsured bank deposits if we need to? I don't think so. So we're setting a dangerous precedent, and that, for that reason, I would oppose it, oppose a, a bailout of any kind. We're speaking to David uh, McCormick. He's a former combat veteran, ran for Senate in Pennsylvania uh, in a tough primary there against Dr. Oz, and also is the author of a new book that is out, uh, Superpower in Peril, A Battle Plan to Renew America. All right, David, uh, where where is this all going? I mean, credit Suisse, back to the financial thing, because people are worried about their money, I think rightfully so. They're worried about their savings, and they're worried about their jobs. So what happens now? I mean, Credit Suisse, they're saying, has... I think that, you know, systemic issues or something. There was some term that they used to say it's not looking yeah. good over there. Um, and there are some other banks, I'm sure, that also have similar problems, maybe not as badly as SVB. But do, do you feel yeah, like this is the beginning of a real yeah, plunge gonna... or has this, yeah. is, is this something that if we handle appropriately or is handled appropriately, we're not heading into a major recession? Well, one of the things I've uh, I've learned along the years is to just have humility about the ability to predict anything here. I, I would say that a couple things in response to your question. The biggest important thing in banking is to have confidence, confidence in the banking system. The, the deposits that old people put in the banks are not available to take out because they lend those. So there's a fraction of the deposits available. So people have to have confidence. And the government's tried to take steps to uh, put confidence in place. We'll see how much it works. The underlying problem that I described where people have bought assets and had long-duration assets and, and now they're worth a lot less is a big problem. And the inflation that we have in our economy uh, is likely going to lead the Fed to raise rates to the point where we go into a recession. And that is going to be very challenging for our economy. And as part of the broader thing I try to address in my book about superpower and peril, I think this is just evidence of, of a decline. America's in decline economically from a national security perspective, spiritually, and, and decline is not inevitable, but neither is renewal. It depends on what we do. And so my book, Superpower and Peril, lays out the plan for educating our people, for confronting China, and for securing America. And part of that is to get um, our fiscal house in order and uh, to get back to more normal policy. We've lived in excess for a long time, and, uh, and whenever there's excess, uh, there creates all sorts of distortions in the markets, and that's what we're dealing with right now. Is there any way you think realistically that the Fed will be able to navigate these interest rate raises without plunging us into what even the Biden administration will have to admit is a recession? Yeah, listen, I, I, I think it's going to be very difficult. And, you know, uh, if you go back and I just read recently the book about Paul Volcker and dur during his time there, and what happens with inflation is there's, you know, if you, if you take the pedal off too quickly and lower rates too quickly, inflation comes back. And so you've got to break the back of inflation, both with your movement, uh, with your moves and in interest rates, but also with with your rhetoric and signaling. And I think it's going to be very difficult not to be very tough-minded on inflation because the inflation has an insidious impact on uh, on our economy and is very challenging for, for politically. So I, I think we're likely to go into recession. I, I think it's likely going to be a tough period. And that's why I think a renewal agenda is really important. There's lots of problems in the country just beyond the economic ones you and I are talking about. And so my argument in the book is that we need leadership uh, as conservatives that's going to put great candidates forward that can win primaries and win general elections, is going to put a, a positive agenda forward for how to solve these problems. 
and uh, and is going to do the work to get absentee ballots and uh, and voter registration so we can win elections and take the country in the right direction. And this this book is meant to be a blueprint for how to do that. A Battle Plan to Renew America, Superpower in Peril is the book. Before we let you go, David, you thinking about running for president? Because this book looks like the kind of book somebody might write if they were running for president. Well, well, first, I started writing the book before I ran for the Senate. At this point, now that the book's done, my wife is telling me I got to get a job of some sort, Buck. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think she's very open-minded about that. But, uh, but I have, I have been thinking about running for the Senate in Pennsylvania. I've, I've not decided yet. Uh, there's uh, uh, 24 uh, Senator Casey's seat will be open for election, and uh, and so we'll think about that and pray about it and, and make a decision later this year. I suspect. Gotcha. So maybe running for something. Fair enough. David McCormick, everybody, thanks. superpower in peril. David, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Thanks, Buck. Nice to talk to you. You know we're big fans of the herbal supplement company Chalk. The product speaks for itself, but the ownership is really impressive too. Simply put, this Texas-based company wants to make everyone they know healthier. During the pandemic, while people were eating more, drinking more, a lot of unhealthy takeout stuff, the gyms were closed, Chalk was advocating for healthier lifestyles. Chalk sourced the right ingredients to create a variety of products to help the immune system, energy, focus, inflammation, and even mood of the people who take it. Chalk doesn't want you reaching for more caffeine or energy drinks loaded with sugars. Instead, they want you to get sustained energy and clarity in a more natural way through their supplements. They also offer bundles. Chalk's male vitality stack helps with replenishing testosterone. And Chalk's female vitality stack improves hormone health. To learn more about what Chalk can do for you, check out their website at Chalk.com. Use my name, Buck, B-U-C-K, and you'll save 35% off any Chalk subscription for the life of that subscription. You can cancel at any time. Clay and I are big fans of Chalk. We love this company. It's spelled C-H-O-Q. Once you get to know their products, you're going to love them as well. Chalk, that's C-H-O-Q.com. Go online, subscribe to their everyday regimen, and get to your optimum health. Learn, laugh, and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcast. Hour three of Clay and Buck starts right now. And Joe Biden's got a problem, everybody. Oh, he's got a lot of problems. For one thing, we just had a breaking news alert in the last hour that a Russian fighter jet has collided in international airspace over the Black Sea with a U.S. Reaper drone. So that's going to raise tensions a little bit there. What's going on? What are the chances of that just happening? Perhaps the uh, the Russian jet was trying to get a much closer look at the drone. Uh, who knows? We will find out more. Well, the Pentagon will tell us some stuff, and then we'll find out more beyond that, I am sure, in the hours ahead. But something to keep an eye on. But the bigger political problem that Joe Biden has is that his his party has gone nuts. And this is something that you see in a, on a range of issues where even Democrats are starting to say some Democrats. This is just too much. I, I can't go along with this. And they're not areas. Uh, they're not fringe beliefs of the Democrat Party. They're opposing. They are things that are coming from the White House itself. They're the most mainstream of Democrat positions because in many cases they are now the mandatory positions that you must hold if you are going to be a Democrat who is held in good standing by the left, by the, the, you know, the, the Jacobins who run that party, the radicals, the Marxists. So 
that's interesting. That's worth keeping in mind, right? This is now required orthodoxy for a lot of Democrats that are causing problems for them. Um, and I, I had uh, mentioned this in the first hour. I wanted to just bring you back to the situation of the Stanford University, uh, well, Stanford Law School, part of the university, uh, aftermath when you had Judge Duncan of the Fifth Circuit who was shouted down by a, a bunch of, of, of screeching harpies. I mean, just lunatics in that room. I saw the whole video. I can't play the audio. There's so much, there's so much cursing and shouting that you can just imagine. They have a federal judge invited to a law school to speak to them about the law. He's actually doing the interpretation of law on the Fifth Circuit. You'd think that law students might think they have something to learn, and even if they don't, that they would sit there and be respectful. They're supposed to be officers of the court. But really, the law schools have become social justice activist training centers. That's what they are. And that's what the the so-called elite law schools, I thought it was so funny, too, that uh that one of the one of the you know just childish students said so shouted something like yeah well you couldn't even get into this law school it's so interesting i, I wonder I, I wonder how many of the people in that room that were shouting at the judge got in not because their lsats were so high but under the diversity and inclusion exceptions to what the rest of the student body is supposed to achieve in terms of grades and scores i would just wonder about that I would wonder how many of them are really as smart as they think they are. And there's also a difference between cognitive ability or or test-taking ability and wisdom. And as all of you listening to this, especially those of you who have lived more years on this earth than I have know, wisdom is the most important. Wisdom is the thing that really matters and makes the difference. And that room had none of it. They lined up, uh, just this is in the last day or so, a reporting from the Washington Free Beacon, that these activists lined up to do a a shame walk of sorts for the dean who apologized on behalf of Stanford University to the judge. So now more students are shaming publicly the dean who apologized for the behavior of the childish maniac students that we're shouting down this. This is Biden's Democrat Party. This is why I'm telling you this. These little activist social justice warriors at Stanford Law School, they've been doing this for years now. This is Their mentality has been the same stretching back for the last decade. And so they're now, there are, uh, you know, they're, they're people that work in the DOJ and they work for the White House and they're, they're in the structures of power. They're, this is not just student radicals who will deal with the reality of life when they get out. They are the Democrat base now. They are the Democrat Party. And this is why Biden is in this uh, difficult position. Not that difficult for Joe Biden because he is a man with no honor or integrity to protect in the first place. Because Joe Biden has no integrity to protect, he has a lot of latitude for what he can do. It doesn't matter. What does he believe? What should he believe? That's always the Biden response. Who is Joe Biden? Who do you need him to be? That's how Joe Biden approaches everything in politics, in life, stretching back for as long as he's been a public figure, which is longer than I've been alive. So he's the right guy for this job, but it's a difficult job. Pretending to be something when it counts with the voters 
while he is something entirely else when it comes to the governance that he presides over as the head of the Democrat Party. Whether he's a puppet or not doesn't matter. He's still the, the figurehead, right? So this brings me to this uh, interview he did on The Daily Show. And here Joe Biden is asked about the there are a number of states that are that are banning transgender surgery for children. How many of you listening to this right now had never even heard of transgender surgery, including doctors, by the way, transgender surgery for children until the last five years, maybe the last two or three years? I think the answer is a lot. Almost everybody. This is new. There are no long-term studies. There is no real sense as to how this could be medicine because this is not studied in any meaningful way. They won't talk about it. They just want to be able to do it. They want to be able to do gender mutilation of children and call it medicine. And they are, you see how they, how they have turned on the issue of abortion, for example. The left Democrat party used to say, oh, it's just, you know, safe, legal, and rare. Or, oh, we, we want it to be something that people, women can choose for themselves as a freedom, but, you know, we're not going to celebrate it. Oh, no. And then eventually they were celebrating it. You know, take my word for it, you'll see women at these pro-abortion marches, uh, you know, shout your abortion was a whole campaign for shout your abortion, a whole campaign for a while. Celebrities talking about how abortion was such a great decision for them, usually women who were actresses who, you know, were on marriage number five and, you know, have had, have made a mess of their lives. But anyway, they'll, they'll say, oh, abortion was such a great, a great thing for my career. That's usually what they say. So they do end up celebrating it and. They're willing to completely forget about the morality that is involved and the, the loss of a life. So given their position on abortion, you have to understand, if left unchecked, the psychological contagion of gender ideology for kids, for adolescents, for prepubescent children, that gender contagion ideology is something that they will they will go from saying, it is rare, why do you focus on it? It is rare. Why are you making such a big deal of it to it is mandatory and you better celebrate it or else. You know, this is coming. The slippery slope, as everyone says on Twitter these days, is the undefeated champion. You know what they're going to do. So we stand and fight or we know where they're going to take this politically stand and fight. We stand up and say enough is enough or the pathway is clear. I bring you Joe Biden. Good old fashioned Joe guy was alive when the second world war was ending right joe biden's been around forever he's such a traditional democrat a a, a union you know lunch pail carrying pro-labor democrat you know all this sort of stuff that doesn't even exist anymore by the way but that's what they'll say that guy grandpa joe you can count on him here he is when speaking about gender mutilation of children Teenagers, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds have their genitalia removed, and they say transition. There is no transition. You know, Jordan Peterson, bless him, you know, he, 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 takes, he takes important shots on important issues. You may have seen recently, and he got a little profane. He got a little fiery on Twitter. He pointed out there is no transitioning of a, of a, of a penis to a vagina that is not possible for humanity, for a human being. It cannot be done. It is not a thing that is medically possible. So then why do they say we're going to create? No, they don't. And that's for adults. 
They want to try similar procedures involving children. This is madness. This is monstrous. And yet Joe Biden, good old-fashioned, middle-of-the-road Joe, here he is when he's asked about transgender kids. Play 15. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it it just to me is, I don't know, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. First of all, notice the the, the Biden go-to. He has, he can't really discuss what it is that his side wants, so he does this, you know, man, we're talking about human beings, you know, people who love and feel. And yeah, we all know that, buddy. We're talking about not gender mutilating children, which will ruin their lives. It will ruin their lives. OK, start with that. He acts like that's the position of kindness. Oh, a 14 year old girl wants to be a 14 year old boy because some activist therapist had three sessions with her. Let's do it. Let's go. Take him to the doctor. Oh, the parents. Let me ask you this. Do you think Joe Biden would sign a law that would prohibit parents stopping gender transition surgery for their kids if a medical professional slash activist decided that it was appropriate? I think he would. I think he would in a heartbeat. I think that Joe Biden has been a lie his entire public life. All it is is lies with this guy. He stands for nothing. He is a figment of the imagination of the voters who have been tricked into voting for him who think they're getting something else. The left knows. They think he's great. He's the Trojan horse. He's the vessel. For everybody who's, oh, I'm a moderate, and he's going to be normal and everything else. No, he's not. Joe Biden exists to be a facade that the left can rely on to make them seem less insane because of his appearance, because of his grin, because he's always lunch-pale Joe riding the choo-choo into D.C. every day. Here he is talking about transgender surgery for teenagers, and he does the usual, come on, man, it's people, you know? know, They got feelings. Yeah, exactly. These are little human beings who should not be subject to the mass psychosis of leftist activists and the obvious social contagion that is transgenderism for kids which just has exploded in the last few years up thousands of a percent and we're not even saying look we're not even talking about adults adults want to you know they want to have you know different surgeries and and you know change their names do all these things they're adults they get to choose all that we're talking about protections for children and where does joe biden stand on this he's saying it's not like they wake up one day and decide i'm just gonna no that's exactly what they do because the society around them, because TikTok, because the Democrat Party, because Hollywood elites, because people they look up to who have neither wisdom nor morality to draw upon, tell them this will make you the center of attention. This will make you live your truth. This will make your life better. They're being lied to. They are being lied to. And Joe Biden is the liar in chief. That's what you see here. So all this stuff about Oh, he's going to return us to normalcy. Oh, it's going to be fine. You can trust good old Joe. Grandpa Joe gets asked about gender mutilation of minors. And what does he say? Come on, man. We need to pass a law 
and he, he mentions he mentions the gay marriage for which is for adults. What, what does that have to do with gender mutilation of minors for transgender purposes? Well, what does he even think he's talking? It doesn't even matter. He's just there to fool enough of the easily fooled so that the great mass of the left can get their way. That's it. And it's it's wrong, folks. It's wrong. He's something that uh, everyone needs to understand is it's all based in all based in lies, all based in misrepresentations. Sometimes, my friends, it feels like our world is getting crazier by the day. You don't say. If there was ever a call to attention on being prepared for anything and everything, I think this is as good a time as we've seen in a long time. That's why we seriously recommend stocking up on emergency food as one part of that. It's not a reality that any of us like to face, but it's preparation that we have to embrace and make our own. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Stock up on their popular three-month emergency food kit. When you do, you'll also get $200 worth of rugged survival gear as a free bonus. To see what you get, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your $200 bonus gift comes free with each three-month emergency food kit you order. Clay and his family have five of these, each for uh, one member of the family. Carrie and I have got two of them each here at home. We're prepared. We're ready to go. I don't have to leave my home for months if I don't want to. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You'll enjoy free shipping as well. Get prepared today. Don't wait because that's not preparation. That's fixing a crisis. Take action now. MyPatriotSupply.com. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? 
I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hour two of Clay and Buck gets going right now, everybody. Thank you very much for being here. And the positions of various GOP contenders on Ukraine is uh, something that got a bit of attention last night. Tucker Carlson reached out his show and uh, reached out to contenders for the GOP domination because we now have a full-scale war going on in Europe between two advanced industrialized economies and one of them has a whole lot of nukes and a whole lot of energy reserves and this is a big deal. It's also in the backdrop of all the things we're seeing economically play out right now too. You can't just leave all this stuff on the side. This is factoring into the sense of public unease right now and i'll tell you this does it feel like things are good right now in the country honestly economically uh does it feel like things are good on the world stage biden is soon to be out there telling everybody he is running for re-election and what a great economy it is i mean he's going to make these these claims the media is going to back him up and i'm just here to tell you they're lying to you they're lying to you you know that but get ready for it, because it should annoy you. It should be something that you find very frustrating. There should be a part of you that feels like, wow, they are brazen. Uh, because what's their alternative? To admit that Biden is an imbecile? To agree with Republicans that many of the things, whether it's the reduction in uh, pursuing fossil fuels that has happened because of the Biden administration, uh, the decisions that have been made across the board when it comes to regulation, taxation, that all these things make us poorer, uh, more depressed, less free as a nation, less prosperous. No, they're never going to admit any of that. Um, but Biden's got his hands full right now because there's only so much the media can do to make things seem better than they are. And uh, on the issue of uh, Ukraine and Russia... I do think that the GOP is going to have a bit of a fight on its hands here internally. Democrats are, they're the party of, if there's a war that we can fund or fight in that doesn't actually benefit America, Democrats are all in. Democrats and Lindsey Graham, sign them up. I mean, not to fight, but sign them up to send your children and your money to that conflict. Republicans at least tend to be more likely to there are a lot of there's a lot of uh provisos a lot of caveats in this because i just mentioned lindsey graham but there are others as well uh but there are at least conservatives within the gop tent who if there's going to be a war it's to protect us and protect our interests maybe maybe they're wrong about those interests or maybe they're miscalculating but at least that's their purpose so what are we doing in Ukraine right now? And what are the various candidates uh, for on the Republican side? Think about it. I thought it was very interesting uh, that you had Ron DeSantis, who is not yet running for president. And everyone is assuming that he will run. But we're not certain of that. Obviously, hasn't happened yet. Here's what he said about America's objective in Ukraine. Uh, and again, hat tip to Tucker's show for getting this information. And, and Tucker read this on Fox last night. 
Without question, peace should be the objective. The U.S. should not provide assistance that could require the deployment of American troops or enable Ukraine to engage in offensive operations beyond its borders. F-16s and long-range missiles should therefore be off the table. These moves would risk explicitly drawing the United States into the conflict and drawing us closer to a hot war between the world's two largest nuclear powers. That risk is unacceptable. I agree. That risk is unacceptable. I think that is a, a an eloquent and well-thought-out position um, from Ron DeSantis on this one. Trump was in Iowa, and, I mean, he, he put this in, he also responded in writing, but I thought it'd be better to hear this, um, that Trump said, this is clip three, he is the only candidate who will make this promise that he will prevent World War Three. Play it. Standing before you today, I am the only candidate who can make this promise. I will prevent World War Three because I really believe... You're going to have World War III. He will prevent World War Now, that's an important promise to be able to keep. That's something that really, we all, you know what, we're all, I would, well, I think all Democrats would even go along with that one. Certainly, all sane people would go along with wanting uh, a, a future Trump administration to be successful in keeping the promise of averting World War III. I think that's a that's a big deal. We all know that. Uh, so that's a central issue. I think you're going to see this getting fought out a whole lot more uh, in public. I also think you're going to see an increase in the kinds of uh, technology and the personnel and everything else that the the Russians and the Ukrainians are putting onto their front lines going into the spring fighting season. The Russians have reportedly had a massive call up of more uh, not just reservists, but conscripts. So this is going to be a fight that gets even bloodier, and it's going to go on for years. And the U.S. has to understand now and has to have the discussion now about what our objectives are. War and peace, this stuff really matters, matters to all of us. We've gone through 20 years of the American people uh, having our men and women in uniform deployed overseas. Trump got us to the the end of it. Biden did pull the troops out of Afghanistan. And, you know, I keep saying this because I just want to make sure that we don't have four more years of Democrat. Because that's really, forget it, Biden is just the puppet. Democrat regime, Democrat apparatus running the country. He is going to point to Afghanistan as a success, and it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Not the war as a success, obviously. The withdrawal. Because memories are fading about what a debacle the actual withdrawal was and who we left behind. And all people will know is when Biden says, you know, I, I pulled out the troops, he did. So that's going to be a useful narrative for him. The same way you're seeing Biden moderate on. He's moderating on fossil fuels. You see, he just uh, is going to approve this project. The environmentalists are all upset about it. Uh, he's moderated on police. See, he's saying we need more cops and he's not defund the police. And the, the Biden that you and I know, as in the, the Democrat administration that currently exists, isn't what is going to be presented to swing voters, to independents in Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Pennsylvania. You get it. 
That's not what's what all the ads they're going to run and all the media narrative is going to be. Oh, Joe Biden. Yeah, he's a moderate. He's a moderate. I want to get to how much of a lie that is in a moment. But I want everyone to understand that that's where this is going. That the reality of Joe, you're not running against the reality of Joe Biden, a a decrepit old buffoon who spent decades doing whatever would keep him in power in Delaware as a senator, you know, as a machine politician for the Democrat Party, who was a joke to Democrats until five minutes ago. That's not who you ran against was, you know, moderate normalcy, always, always grinning at people and saying that he feels their pain. And, yeah, you know, we're all just human beings. Let's all just hug it out. Was a, the whole thing was a farce. He's the president now. You're going to be running against the fiction that they're able to create with grains of truth behind it about Joe Biden. So understand that. Okay, that's one part of this. And then there's this from, from Donald Trump. I am a two-time Trump voter. I think that Donald Trump... I'm Wait, yes, sorry, two-time. I was like, he didn't get two terms. Two-time Trump voter, obviously. Voted for him in 2016 and in 2020. Uh, think that Trump did a very good job as president. There are some areas where I wish things had been a little different, but overall, a very good job as president. And I think that he has a lot to bring to the table now, and I think he could be a very good president in his second term. I also think that he needs to have people around him who will tell him the truth. The truth about some of the positions he's taken, by the way, recently, some of the videos he's put out, some of the policy ideas. Really engaging, really worthwhile stuff. Shows so, shows both the ability to learn and the ability to project a vision for the future that I think would be quite good for the country. But then there's other stuff that comes out sometimes. And and I just I look at this and I say, well, what is this? What is this all about? Well, why why is Trump taking this approach? Who is advising him? Or maybe it's just Trump himself, but he needs advisors then to tell him, this is not the way, sir. Talk about you as the leader of the party with great ideas that will raise up all Republicans and with it the entire nation. Be bigger than some of the petty stuff. This isn't 2016. You're not the guy that everyone's laughing at who has to show everybody who, you know, the, the real, the real alpha dog is, right? That it's not 2016. You have been the president. There has to be a change. And I bring it up because the, he put out this video and I want you to hear it. And if you think I'm I'm missing this or or whatever, by all means, I want to open up the lines. Like I said, I, I want to encourage the best of Trump and the best of his ideas, the best of of what he's got. And uh, you know, we are in a primary officially, and so when I see this video, I think, no, 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 this is not, this is not MAGA. Uh, people, by the way, is it, people say that it's it's funny. If I say MAGA, they say you're supposed to say MAGA. And if I say MAGA, people yell at me and say it's supposed to be MAGA. I mean, I think this is tomato, tomato, right? Anyway, here is Donald Trump praising. Uh, well, you'll hear for yourself. Play clip one. For those of you that didn't notice, Florida was doing great long before Ron DeSantis got there. People are fleeing from New York to Florida and other places because of high taxes and out of control crime. It's really bad. Not because of the governor. Thank you, Mr. President for doing that. But it's not because of the governor. Florida was doing fantastically. You had a governor named Rick Scott who did a very good job. Even Charlie Chris, the Democrat, did a good job and he had very good numbers. Sunshine and ocean are very alluring. It's not too hard to work with those factors. 
So just remember, Florida was doing really well long before Ron DeSantis got there. Okay, first of all, this DeSantis nickname, Trump, Trump's nicknames used to crumble his opponents, okay? Je- Low-energy Jeb, Jeb never recovered from his presidency, never or, or uh, presidential campaign, never recovered from that. Little Marco, right, with, with Marco Rubio, that was at the time, and by the way, some people say that this stuff is unfair and it's childish, but I'm just saying, at the time, these things worked. Say what you will about them, they worked. DeSantis? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I guess it's sanctimony is what we're kind of going for here. Um, it's just not, it's not clever enough. It's not worthy of Trumpian nickname. It's just, it's just not going to work. So I'm here to, to just be honest with all of you about what I see happening here in this primary. Look, it's still super early. DeSantis isn't even in the primary. So why is he attacking the, a popular Republican governor? And then on the issue of what's happened in Florida. If all of you knew, the, the number of people in conservative media who have moved to Florida in the last three years is mind-blowing. There's been nothing like this ever before in my lifetime in this country. Uh, so many of your favorite hosts, commentators, TV, radio, podcasts, you name it, have moved to Florida um, and either doing partially, you know, six months of the year or something like that, or are here year-round. And it's because this has become a symbol of something. Something is happening in this state that the right and conservatism is seizing on. There's a momentum here. And you see this from the 800,000 people who have, I'm in Florida right now. You see this from the 800,000 people who have moved to Florida since the beginning of the pandemic. You see this from the lowest crime rate the state has had in 50 years. It's always, it's always had great weather. It's always had, uh, you know, in, in recent memory at least, low or no state taxes uh, on income. So that that's not going to cut it. And it was the best state to be in during COVID. I know because I was a New Yorker who had come down to Florida during COVID to experience normalcy. When other states and other places, I remember, I mean, Texas, I was very disappointed in Texas during the, during the pandemic. I love the state of Texas. I've thought about moving there to live many times in my life. But during the pandemic, Abbott was not very good. He got better. He got, you know, he got wise on COVID and lockdowns, but it took him a while. Florida was the best state during the pandemic. We have to be honest here about what happened, where we had our victories, where we had our losses. And when you have not a single statewide elected Republican in Florida for the first time since the Civil War, that's different. That's not a normal thing. Uh, Praising Charlie Crist. First of all, he was a Republican when he ran the state, which is hilarious because Charlie Crist has literally been a Republican, a Democrat, and an Independent. But this is not the way. This is not the way for Trump. I want, I want more of the ideas. I want more of the leader. I want the narrative. You know, there's a, there's a time and a place for the brawling and the fighting. But for me, this, it just didn't work. If you think I'm wrong, by all means, let me know. If there are some Trump voters out there, and I mean, Obviously, a lot of Trump voters. I mean, people for whom Trump is the only option, the only option to take on Biden. If you like this or didn't like this ad, let me know. I'm very curious. 800-282-2882. We'll get into some of that later on in the hour. Uh, So I think that's very it's look, it's it's going to be a heck of a primary, folks. It's going to be a heck of a fight. I think that much is clear. You know, nine hundred dollars is a lot of money. I don't care what part of life you're in. I mean, that's just a lot of money. Our friends at Pure Talk are helping families save when they switch to their cell phone service. You're still getting the same ultra-fast 5G service as you would with 
Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, but instead of forking over about $100 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month on an individual plan. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to a big carrier, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk. That's my cell phone carrier. It's what I use every day. They make it super convenient for you, too. You can make the switch without having to change your phone or your number. Just dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck to save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250, say Clay and Buck. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. He's Buck Sexton. He's Clay Travis. Together, they're breathing sanity into an insane world. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.